we are going to kick off a new series entitled The Beatitudes, God's Unexpected Blessings. just want to take a quick poll this morning by a show of hands. Anybody hear the word Beatitudes before? Just let me see your hands up high if you hear the word Beatitudes. Okay, very good. Anybody know who spoke the Beatitudes? Anybody want to shout that out? It's Jesus. That's always your Sunday school answer, right? It's Jesus. Jesus spoke the Beatitudes. Anybody know where Jesus spoke the Beatitudes? Words that are recorded in the Bible. Matthew and Luke. Actually, two places in Matthew and Luke. Anybody know how many Beatitudes there are? Blessed are the poor. You kind of count it through your heads here. Blessed are anybody? Anybody have a guess? How, how many? Eight. Yes. Eight Beatitudes recorded in the book of Matthew. There are eight Beatitudes. Some say there are nine. Uh, because the last one you can kind of divide into two, but but for our teaching time, we're going to look at eight beatitudes. Anybody know what the word beatitude means? Let me guess. Blessing. It's a Latin word. It means blessing. See, Jesus' first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' first words in his first sermon were words of blessing. Jesus didn't come to condemn. His first words were, hey, you're all going to hell. Jesus didn't come to reject. He didn't say, you know, you guys would love to follow me, but you don't have what it takes. Jesus came to bless. Jesus' first words in his first sermon were not words of condemnation. They weren't words of rejection. They weren't words. They weren't, he wasn't creating a new list of rules that we would need to follow to somehow earn our way into God's good graces. Jesus spoke words of blessing. He said, blessed are the, are the hungry, blessed are the thirsty, blessed are those who mourn. He spoke these words of blessing. You see, so often we uh, view or our culture views Christianity as this, this thing that you need to do or these rules you need to follow and enter into God's good graces. And so often people view the church as this, this set of rules or this set of, of shoulds and oughts, but that's not it at all. Jesus didn't speak words of condemnation or, or words of judgment. His first words... In the first sermon on the mount, was word he spoke words of blessing. Jesus didn't come to condemn, but to bless. The word blessing in the Greek is makurios. It means blessing or happy or fortunate. It's that divine presence. It's like God saying to us, I am with you. I am for you. I am on your side. But in the Beatitudes, we don't read God blessing the people that we would expect. God doesn't bless the healthy with health. He doesn't bless the wealthy with wealth. He doesn't bless the wise with wisdom. God blesses the broken. He blesses the mourning, the hungry, and the persecuted. God blesses the unexpected. In Matthew chapter 5, we read this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. We're going to talk about each of these blessings over the next eight weeks. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessing. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Of heaven. See, God doesn't bless the people we expect to receive blessing. He blesses the broken. He blesses the mourning. He blesses the hungry. He blesses the persecuted. And he says to each one of those, I am with you. 
I am on your side. I am for you. See, over the next eight weeks, we want to explore. We want to learn. We want to dive into these eight blessings of Jesus because God blessed the unexpected. God blessed people in unexpected places. And over the next eight eight weeks, we just don't want to read about that. We want to experience God blessings anew here today. So I'd love for you to join me in this journey as we explore these Beatitudes. And in order to understand the Beatitudes, we we must look at the context for which Jesus spoke these words of blessings. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew chapter 4 is the context for Jesus' words of blessing. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus just starts out his earthly ministry. He's just, he's just gathered together the uh, disciples. He's just uh, been tempted. And now he is entering into ministry. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 and 25, we read this. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. And large crowds gathered from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan, and they followed him. See, this is a very, very exciting time in the life and ministry of Jesus. People are being healed. Healed from diseases and and healed from paralyzed and healed from seizures. Healing that doesn't even happen today through modern medicine. People are being healed. Demons are being cast out. People are telling their friends and large crowds are gathering around Jesus. This is a very, very exciting time in the life of Jesus. And you notice it's not just large crowds. Crowd, it's not a large crowd, but large crowds of people from Judea and Jerusalem and the Decapolis, these 10 cities in Greek, in the, in the Greek language, just outside the, the, the area of Jerusalem and Judea. The, the Jews and the Greeks, the clean and the unclean, this hodgepodge of people are gathered around Jesus because they're seeing God at work. They're seeing healings. God's kingdom is coming into earth and they're excited. This is a very exciting time and they want to experience God's kingdom, God's presence on earth. You got to remember the people during this time of, of Jesus' ministry are under some significant oppression. These are hard times for the people living in that area. They were experiencing uh, political oppression. The the Romans ruled with an iron fist and the people were longing for political freedom. They also experienced uh, physical oppression. This was a hard time. People were living in poverty. They were were praying for their daily bread. This was a time of physical suffering. It was also religious oppression. Because only the elite, only the rulers, the religious rulers of the day, only those that kept their nose clean and followed the rules and did all the things, they were then acceptable in God's sight. So this was a time of political and personal and religious oppression. These were difficult days and the people were longing for the Messiah to come. They were longing for Jesus, the Messiah, to come because they heard about the Messiah. Their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents told them that the Messiah would come. 
And they would, that, that Messiah would bring God's kingdom to earth. He would take that which is wrong and make it right. And they saw that. They saw healings. They saw God's power. They saw God's authority. They saw God at work and they wanted more. This is an exciting time in the life and ministry of Jesus. And it's almost as if Jesus stops. If only for a moment. It's almost as if Jesus pauses in the midst of all this carnival atmosphere, in the midst of all this excitement. It's almost as if Jesus pauses and says to his first followers, before you get all excited about my healing, before you get all excited about the authority, before you get all excited about demons being cast out, and and before you start wanting me to be your political king, I want to tell you who I'm closest to. I want to tell you about who I'm with, who I'm for. I want to tell you about my kingdom. And then he pauses. And he says, blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are those who are hungry. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for it's you that I am with. So before we get all excited, before we start dreaming, before you want me to believe your political king, I want to tell you who is part of my kingdom, who I am with. See, Jesus announces these eight blessings, these eight unexpected places where God resides, these eight places that we will study over the next Eight weeks, and the first one, Jesus announces to this large crowd of people longing for God's kingdom to come to earth. He says, This Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The Greek word poor is tokos. Let me hear you say tokos. Tokos. Now, tokos means desperately poor. Tokos means the person that cannot feed themselves. Tokos is the type of person that you see on the street corner begging for food. That's the Greek word that, ma- that Jesus uses to describe the poor in spirit. Now, he could have used another Greek word. The other Greek word is Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is like the working poor. Pentecost is the person that can survive. Pentecost is the person that can find enough food to feed themselves and feed their family. Pentecost is the working poor, but that's not the word that Jesus uses. Jesus uses the Greek word tokos. It's people living in desperate poverty, ones who cannot feed themselves, ones that are begging for bread. Now, now Jesus doesn't bless those that are physically poor. Jesus blesses the spiritually poor. He blesses the poor in spirit. He blesses the the spiritually empty. He blesses the spiritually bankrupt. He he blesses the spiritually uh, ones that know they don't have it all together. He, He blesses the spiritually desperate. He doesn't bless the spiritually rich. He doesn't bless the people who have it all together. He blesses those who know that they are spiritually empty, who know that they need God. See, Jesus blesses the unexpected. Jesus blesses not the spiritually rich, but the spiritually impoverished. He makes this contrast between the rich and the poor. And he blesses the spiritually poor, the spiritually bankrupt. In, in, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus says these words, and they're helpful as we try to discern the difference between being spiritually rich and spiritually poor. In, in Luke chapter 18, verse 9, we read this. 
to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. In other words, to, to the ones who think they are spiritually rich, to the ones who think that they have it all together spiritually, Jesus told them this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and he prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like these other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. I'm pretty good. I mean, I've got my act together spiritually. I mean, I fast twice a day. I give a tenth of my income. I follow the law, God. You're pretty lucky to have me on your side. I got this thing down. I am spiritually rich. But Jesus continues. But, verse 13, the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He cried out to God. He says, God, I'm unworthy. God, I'm empty. God, I'm spiritually bankrupt. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. I'm spiritually impoverished. I'm tokas. And Jesus continues, I tell you that this man, the spiritually impoverished man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, the spiritually rich, the rich in spirit, are confident in their own behavior. They're confident in their good works. I fast twice a week. I I give a tenth. I pray. I worship. I do the things that I know will get me good into God's good graces. I do these things. But the spiritually poor, the spiritually impoverished, the spiritually broken are those that say, I don't have it all together. I'm a sinner. I know that, God, if you don't come to me, I'm not going to eat. I'm broken. I'm desperate. See, Jesus blessed the broken. Jesus blessed the empty. Jesus blessed the spiritually bankrupt, the ones who know they don't have it all together. Jesus said, in those moments in your life, when you come to the end of your rope and you don't know what to do, you don't even know how to pray, my blessing is upon you. I am with you. I am for you. I am on your side in those moments when you are broken. Now, most of us have an aversion to brokenness, right? Most of us have an aversion to brokenness. We don't like to be broken, right? We like to look like we have it all together. We like to look like we, we, we know what we're doing, whether we're going on a date or whether we're going to work or whether we're even going to church. We like to look like we have it all together. We like to look like we're this polite, like we're useful, right? That we're clean, that, that we're helpful. We can be used for something. And, and, and we have an aversion to brokenness because we like to look like we have it all together. But, but, but God says to us that he doesn't bless those who have it all together. He blesses the, the broken. He blesses the cracked. He blesses the plates that we tend to toss. He says, I don't bless those that think they have it all together. I bless the ones that are cracked, 
I bless the ones that are broken. I bless the ones that in the midst of their life, they come to the end of themselves and they say, God, would you please come? Because if you don't feed me, I'm going to die. We have an aversion to brokenness. We try to think that we can just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and get ourselves together. God blesses the broken. We have an aversion to brokenness, but God blesses the very thing that we run from, the very thing we need to experience God's kingdom in our life. God blesses the broken. We have an aversion to brokenness, and we're not the only ones. The Apostle Paul also had an aversion to brokenness. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, and he, he describes this aversion that he has to brokenness. Listen, as I describe to you this uh, this reality that, that Paul feels when he is weak. Jesus blesses the broken, but Paul has an aversion to it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, we read this. To keep me from becoming conceited, to keep me from becoming prideful, to keep me from thinking that I have it all together, because of these surpassing great revelations, because God has been speaking to me in profound ways, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, we don't know exactly what that was, what that messenger of Satan or who that messenger of Satan was. Some say it was a physical ailment that maybe Paul, his, his eyesight was bad or he had some other physical ailment. Some say it could have been a, a personality challenge. We don't know exactly who this messenger of Satan was, but we know that God gave that to him because to prevent him from becoming conceited. And in verse 8, he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times he said, God, please take this thorn away from me. Please, please stop this pain. Please make it go away. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't take it away. In fact, in verse 9, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. See, brokenness is a gift. Poverty of spirit is a blessing. Weakness is the path towards power. And when we admit we are broken, when we admit we don't have it all together, we open up ourselves to experience God's power in our lives. When we admit that we don't have it all together spiritually, spiritually we experience God's presence. God's, I'm with you in the details of our lives. See, brokenness. The very thing we try to avoid, the very thing we run from is exactly what we need to experience God's presence, God's power in our lives. So Jesus announces to this large crowd that wants to see his kingdom on earth. And he says to them, blessed are the broken. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who, who don't have it all together. Because when you come to the end of yourself and you call out to me, yours is the kingdom of God. You will be made perfect when you admit you are weak. When you admit. That you're broken. 
when I was first dating my wife, Christine, we were on a number of different dates, but one of the dates I clearly remember, I was driving in my 1976 Malibu Classic. Anybody have one of those Malibu Classics? It was a thing of beauty. And I had this big old boat, and we were on our first, one of our first dates, and as we were driving along, and we, we, maybe we got ice cream or something, but we stopped and we started talking, I asked my wife, then girlfriend, this question, because we I wanted to get to know her, and I didn't just mess around. I asked her this question. I says, Christine, have you ever been broken? Now, that might not seem like the exact first question that you ask on one of your first dates, but that's what I wanted to know. I mean, this is a relationship that was going to go anywhere. I wanted to know if she had been broken. I says, have you ever come to the end of yourself and admitted to God that you don't have it all together? Have you ever been broken? And she says, oh, yeah, I've been broken. And let me tell you about how I was broken. It was in high school when I was sort of ha- looking like I had it all together. You know, I, I was homecoming queen and I was doing this and I was in, on the softball team. And then I got into this car accident. And it was a life-threatening car accident. And then I came to the end of myself. And then sort of my world came crashing down. And I couldn't handle my life. And I cried out to God. And he met me in my pain. Oh, yeah, Chad. I know what it feels like to be broken. Now, my wife grew up in the church. My, my wife grew up in Sunday school. She heard the word. She had a personal relationship with Jesus. She grew up. And for some reason, she thought that her identity, her worth and value came from what she did. And then when she came to the end of herself, she experienced God's blessing, God's presence in the most intimate and the most difficult time of her life. And she was broken. And she asked me that same question. Chad, have you ever been broken? I said, oh, yeah. I've been broken a couple times. <laughs> let, me just, let me just tell you about the couple times. It took me a little while to come to the end of myself. First, it was just at that point of conversion. But then it came a little bit later on when I started to get involved in the Christian life. And I started to do ministry. And I got involved in youth ministry. And then I got involved in prison ministry. Then I got involved in sports ministry. And I was doing, 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 doing all these things that, that were done in the flesh. Thinking that if I did these ministries, if I did these things for God, that he might like me more. Or that he might bless me more. And I came to the end of myself through a series of some difficult circumstances. I came to the bottom of that proverbial rope. And I experienced brokenness. I said, God, please help me. I can't make it on my own. Now, I already was a believer. I already came to faith in Christ. But now in this ministry, in this act of service, I says, God, I can't do it on my own. I'm broken. I'm hungry. I need you to feed me. See, brokenness is the path towards experience God's kingdom in our lives. Brokenness is the beginning when we come to the end of ourselves at our point of conversion. But then brokenness is the path towards sanctification where we grow in Christ's likeness. And brokenness is the path towards experience God's power in ministry and saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you to fill me, to, to free me, to feed me so that I can feed others. Have you ever been broken? Have you ever come to the end of yourself? Maybe at the point of conversion. Maybe it was during some sanctification where you come to the... Or maybe being empowered for ministry because that's the path. When we are weak, He is made strong. When we are broken, we experience His power in our lives. i got to ask you that question. Have you ever been broken? See, I think there's a spectrum of spiritual poverty. On the one hand, there's this sense of being spiritually rich, 
where, like the Pharisees, you have it all together. You follow the rules. You fast, you pray, you give, you worship. You do the things that you know you need to do in order to please God. And there's a sense that I have it all together spiritually. And, and on one side of the spiritual poverty, this is spiritually rich. It's like the Pharisees. They go to church, they do the deal. They, they think they know what they're doing. And on the other side is the tokos. It's that Greek word of being desperately poor. Of, of knowing that you're completely dependent upon somebody else for your nourishment. It's the begging for bread. It's the understanding that I don't have what it takes. I need God to fill me. It's, it's the opposite end of the spectrum. It's the spiritually broken. But in the middle is that Greek word, Pentecost. It's not tokos, it's Pentecost. It's that in the middle. It's the poor, but not the desperately poor. It's the poor enough. It's those that can find enough food just to survive. It's the spiritually followers that are feeding just enough to get... I mean, they're not doing anything wrong, but they're not doing anything great. They're not doing anything, you know, that would be considered, you know, distant or hard or harmful, but, but they're just getting by. They're not begging for bread. They're too proud to beg. They're, they're, they're nourishing themselves, but they're not tokos, they're Pentecost, they're in the middle. But Jesus doesn't bless the Pentecost. Jesus blesses the tokos. And Jesus confronts the spiritually self-righteous. He doesn't bless the Pentecost. He doesn't bless the people who are just getting by. He doesn't bless the people that are surviving. He blesses those that know what it feels like to come to the end of themselves and say, God, if you don't come through for me, I'm going to die. See, in contrary to popular, the popular saying that God blesses those who help themselves, Jesus says God blesses those who know they cannot help themselves, who know what it feels like to be desperate, to be broken, to be in need of God's grace. That's who Jesus blesses. It's the tokas. And if I were to look at my spiritual journey, I would say at times I was like that guy way at the end, the spiritually rich, who looked like he had it all together, who looked like he could do this and the other thing. And at times I was way over here, the one who knew that he didn't have it all together. And then sometimes I'm kind of here in the middle where you kind of just get by. Maybe it's in a rut or a groove in your spiritual life and you're poor, but not poor enough. You're too proud to beg, just kind of getting by. And as I look at my own spiritual journey, I can see myself in each one of these. But this is the invitation. This is the invitation that God has for each one of us today. This is the point of blessing. This is the word that Jesus spoke to this large crowd. This is the same word that Jesus speaks to this crowd this morning. Blessed are the broken. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the ones who know they don't have it all together because when you come to the end of yourself when you come to that end of that proverbial rope and you let go god says it's right there that's when i'm with you that's when i'm for you it's in that moment of emptiness that i am on your side as the band comes up i just want to ask you a few questions to reflect upon just want to ask you a few questions to think about as we begin this series on the Beatitudes. And there's some very simple questions, and the questions are simply this. Have you ever been broken? Have you ever come to the end of yourself and says, God, 
I need you. And then do you remain in your point of brokenness? Or do you try to puff yourself up? Or do you, do, 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 you, do you remain in your point of brokenness through your sanctification and for empowerment for ministry? Do you remain broken? And then what's your thorn? What's your weakness? What's that thing in your life that you say, God, please take it away? But God says, no, I think that is why I, I think I placed that in your life to remind you how much you need me. What's your thorn? And would you be willing, instead of saying, God, take it away, to see that as the pathway to experiencing God's power in your life? Maybe it's a physical ailment. Maybe it's, it's a personality. Maybe it's a temptation. Whatever it is, would you see that as the pathway to experiencing God's power in your life? And the next one is, what would you, would you be willing to humble yourself before God and admit your brokenness? Maybe your answer to question number one is, no, I have never been broken. You know, I really have never come to the end of myself. There is something that you can do this morning. Jesus says it. He says, if you humble yourself, if you say, God, I'm tired of living life in my own strength. I'm tired of trying to look like I have it all together. I know inside I don't. And now I admit my brokenness. Would you bless me with the sense of spiritual poverty? Would you bless me with brokenness? Would you be willing in your spiritual journey today, maybe in your, with your family, or maybe in your community group, or maybe at home, you can write down these questions now and reflect upon these questions because this is the beginning of an eight-week series and it starts with this blessing of brokenness. See, Jesus spoke these words. He spoke these words to a large crowd longing for God's kingdom to come to earth, longing for God's power to be revealed, longing for God to take that which was wrong and make it right. And he didn't speak words of condemnation. He didn't speak words of judgment. He spoke words of blessing. And his first words were, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know they are spiritually bankrupt for the kingdom of of God is yours. The kingdom of God belongs to you. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we can come and experience your teaching and your blessing. And Lord, I ask that you would do what only you could do and that your Holy Spirit would do a work in us so that we could come to a deeper understanding of our own spiritual poverty and experience your power and your presence in our lives. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.